Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Find us online 24-7 at pathtozion.com, or of course here on YouTube and over on Facebook as well. I don't mention that very often, but of course we do have a page over there, and you can communicate with us there, and of course get notified of um, updates to the site, new videos, new audio when that ever happens. Um, so thank you for following along, and thank you specifically that you have made it to part six of this series. Holy cow, I didn't know how long it was going to be. Festivals of Men or Feasts of the Lord, and this is our last installment of another biblical challenge to Christmas. So thank you so much for sticking around. I hope that this has moved someone from from maybe beginning to question the traditions of men and what we've been handed and, and maybe moved you from, from step one to step two, or from step eight to step nine, or or maybe just even beginning to ask for the very first time, is this right? Um, I understand there will be many people that will not make it to this point, but if you have, thank you so much for doing that. I'm very thankful. This takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, and so literally, literally, if one person watches to this point, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit breathes life onto this, in my best effort that I know how, for them to say, I see. I see the beautiful invitation to leave behind the traditions of men and pursue the feast of the Lord. I do it 40 hours a day. Well, that's impossible. You see, you know what I'm saying. Look, it's been a long several days to get to this point, so give me a little grace, okay? All right, so let's go ahead and bring this to uh, a culmination here. Um, the last series, uh, last <laughs> um, installment, um, part five, we talked about, just read a lot of different verses. Ezekiel, um, Zechariah chapter 14, where I paralleled that, that, that we will, again, one day that is yet to come, we will be doing feasts. Um, the Feast of Sukkot, Tabernacles, and those who don't will be cursed. And like, how does that fit into the Christian doctrine we've been handed that, that Yeshua, Jesus, fulfilled everything and there's nothing left to do? And that all of Yahweh's ordained feasts and uh, festivals are, are uh, passed away, you know, old news. And there, there are countless things like that and other individuals that much better than me explain the perpetuity of all of that, of, of, of Yahweh's ways and how they are for us today. I try to do that in measure, but I'm, I'm new to this in the sense of I don't have the great wisdom and understanding towards all these things yet. I'm just sharing the level of, of uh, elementary understanding I possess today. So we're going to bring this to an end and, and just talk about this for a moment, um, that, that what we culminated the last part with, that, that this is why Yeshua's Emmanuel reality has so much greater biblical significance than a dirty manger that we've been given. Um, singing Silent Night and thinking about, you know, an angel hovering over the stable and, and just all this imagery we've been handed that I'm not saying those things aren't, aren't like, okay, but if they're not accurate, then why do we do it? That's what I, people say. Well, people are saved every season by a Christ, Christmas cantata. Now, I'm not saying they're not. I'm not saying they're not. I'm not questioning how God can use our, our best efforts where we are and what we do know and what we do with what we know. I'm just saying that we have to acknowledge without any offense in us, just being honest, well, of course, there's, there is a better way than what I presently know or understand. I mean, we don't, 
there's so many things we get wrong, and, and Yahweh still redeems them and, and draws men to himself because he's good and merciful and, and slow to anger and dependent upon us in measure, but he does all the work. I mean, we're just vessels trying to figure out how in the world to, to offer ourselves to be of any good down here as we ourselves are becoming sanctified into the likeness of the Son. But he works with our error. Of course he does. But fulfilling the reason for all that Yeshua accomplished, that he became flesh and dwelled among us, this is true, his birth is true, the supernatural conception within Mary is true, all these things at the core are right. Yes, of course, we're not negating the Christmas story, it's just that it's not the Christmas story, you know, it's... It's, it's the beauty of Yahweh's ways as a perfect father to insert himself into humanity to redeem the lost people scattered amongst the nations that we've been talking about the last couple of parts. And the only way that can happen is if we come out from among them and be separate. We can only fulfill why Yeshua came and why God lowered himself to become flesh and dwell among us, if we can even wrap our brains around that great mystery, the only reason he came was to purchase us back to give us the opportunity to leave the nations and come into his people. I don't know. It seems simple at times in my mind and other times not so much. But there will be a time when we celebrate his tabernacling with men yet again in a prophesied age. That's the thing of why all these feasts and festivals of the Lord have such innumerable layers of of awesome mystery because it, it covers the past and what was. It covers my right now, and it covers something that is in the yet to come that's all intricately interwoven into the celebrating and keeping of his feast days now. It's beautiful. It's so huge. It's never-ending. <laughs> It's the beauty of rehearsal. The beauty of rehearsal is the invitation to now practice and add to our lives all the innumerable layers of what Father placed within his feasts for his people. They're for his people now. They're not for the world. They're not for the nations. They're for his people who have heard the shofar blast, all these things. We have to respond to the call and come out and go to where he is. And what goes back to our point, which is what? These are holy, set-apart convocations where Yahweh said, these are to be a sign between me and you that you come to where I am, where I am coming down to meet with you. It's wonderful. And in light of all this, and even my, my endless talking through all this series is a mere drop in the ocean, tell me where is Christmas? Where is Christmas in the eternal plans of Yahweh Elohim? We don't see it anywhere with his dealings with his people. We don't see it in the, in the New Testament church. They never celebrated Christmas and never told us that we should either. And we don't see it in a prophesied age yet to come. Yet we do see feasts and Sabbath, feasts and Sabbath, feasts and Sabbath. So, friends, again, I'll be redundant on purpose. Why are we continually perpetuating a, a hollow tradition of men that's rooted in pagan practices and false deities that, that 
that will not endure for Yahweh's people and cannot even be a part of their lives and be pleasing to him simultaneously, why will we do that, but we won't give ourselves to the feasts that were, that are, and that will be to come? We have to know an answer to that question. We have to, if we're going to truly seek out the heart of the Father. So when you begin to study and understand in any measure, and again, I'm early on in this, I have no problem saying that. There are individuals that know so much more than me that you could watch right now and learn volumes of things. But that's not where I am, and that's not me today. So I tell what, where I'm coming from. But the holidays and festivals of men are going to fade away, like the vapors that they are. They will not remain in the coming kingdom. They will, there will be no fraction of them left to celebrate, and you won't want to. <laughs> One of the main Hebrew words for idol as we bring this to an end, is Elil. And it appears for the very first time that I could find in in Leviticus chapter 19. Now, for the full context, Yahweh says this, Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, Yahweh, your Elohim, am holy. Every one of you shall honor his mother and his father, And you shall, here we are again, you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am your Yahweh. I am Yahweh, your Elohim. Do not turn to idols, Elil, or make for yourselves cast metal gods. I am Yahweh, your Elohim. Now, an idol, in in most of these contexts, there's a couple words that that mean idol, um, mean these things. Good for nothing, worthless, or vain. They are an object of reference separate from Yahweh. So another idol in in, in Old Testament usage speaks of being polluted that I alluded to in part five. It, It is, okay, so we can imagine water in its perfect form is pure, undefiled, clean, and good for drinking, good for our body, beneficial. It is water. Now, when you add something into the water that is considered unclean, dirty. This We could use this for the clean, unclean parallels for animals and living, holy, consecrated lives instead of being polluted ones in the ways of the nations. But just to be specific to our point, if I add a little bit of, of gasoline to that water, the gasoline becomes an idol. You understand the verbiage here. For, the, for an image, and some imagery for us, we take something good and right and we pollute it, we ruin it, we, we take it from its good, holy, right state, and we ruin it. We make it worthless, vain, good for nothing. And so Yahweh is saying, keep my Sabbaths and don't pollute all this stuff that I have made good and right and pleasing to me by adding your own, your own uh, ingredients to it. Stop tainting it defiling it, and this goes back to where we were earlier, profaning, making just common according to your own purposes. Don't make it what you want. First Samuel chapter 19, verse 11 is going to be a very unlikely conclusion scripture for this series, because we're talking about Christmas, of course, primarily, specifically, and in the broader sense, the, the celebrations and traditions of mankind, of humanity, specifically to me here in America, Western culture, and how they are running alongside the feasts of the Lord and always winning out in majority Christianity 
the traditions of men that have all these wonderful, warm feelings and emotions went out and the feasts of the Lord kicked to the curb as the, for, the, for the Jews, even though we're told they're for Yahweh himself. They are his possession, his feasts. And so the Father, I would like to say, led me to this scripture via Holy Spirit, and I've really prayed into this, and I, I, I've asked for wisdom, as I told you at the beginning of the program, that I'm trying to learn my last uh, podcast topic about crying out for wisdom. I lack wisdom. I lack wisdom. I lack the ability to speak your words, Father. Help me. Help me. Give me the New Testament understanding of Sophia, which is wisdom and utterance. When I need it, Father, and I open my mouth, give me your Sophia. Give me your words. Give me your thoughts. Give me your opinions. I want to know them, and I want to articulate them in a way that pleases you. The best I know how. And so in my praying that, I ended up here, and it's very random seemingly, and I will propose it to you to see if this speaks to our point as we bring it to a close. 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 11, Saul sent his messengers to David's house to watch him. Why? In order to put him to death in the morning. We know Saul's pursuing David. But Michal, David's wife, informed him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be put to death. So his wife left David, let David rather, down through a window. And he went out and fled. He ran away and escaped. And she took the household idol, in verse 13, and laid it on the bed and put a quilt of goat's hair at its head and covered it with clothing. Now now the, the account goes on where... Saul's messengers come into the house, you know, they're like, where's David? And, they, you know, let's make it real, real exciting. They have javelins and spears and swords and where's David? We're here to kill him. And they can't find him and all oh, this and that. And, well, okay, he's up, he's up in the bed sleeping. He's sick. And they run up there and they pull the covers back. And what do they find? They find an household, a household idol, okay, a, a worthless, vain, good-for-nothing object of reference separate from Yahweh. That's the exact word in here. This idol was laid in the bed. Now, why was it laid in the bed and, and, and a quilt of goat's hair put on its head? Now, let's just be childlike here. This is very simple. It was supposed to imitate the likeness of David. Now, as foolish as this sounds, I would like to present to you something to close the door on this, this uh, series that makes this clear for us to just be satisfied with what we have presented. I would say that within this text, we see the example of an idol being used as an imposter of the real. We could just say that, right? Again, this is elementary. She, his wife, put this idol in the bed and put goat's hair on its head in order to try to dupe the, the soldiers to think that David's in the bed sleeping. Sounds foolish enough, but who cares? This is what the text says, so we read it as it is. And so what I'm attempting to say is take this natural picture of an idol, a vain, worthless thing, trying to imitate David himself, a real living being in the bed, and use this and put on your spiritual man thinking, okay? I would say that this is a simple depiction of what I'm attempting to say about the spiritual. When Saul's messengers were taken up to the bed and the sheets were drawn back, the vain, worthless image that was nothing more than an idol likely made of wood was exposed and easily identified as not being the real David. My hope is to present in this entire series a pulling back of the covers, friend. 
Okay, a, a, a pulling back of the covers of you, perhaps, and I, for all of my life, was looking upon the bed where David lay, but when the covers were pulled back, I realized it was never him all along. It was an idol laid in the bed, a stand-in, if you will, that just because of the traditions of men handed to me that I just partook of my whole life, I was convinced David was in the bed. I was convinced Jesus was the one Christmas was all about. I was convinced that God must somehow be pleased because this is all about baby Jesus and joy and peace on earth and goodwill towards men. But I was duped. And when the covers were pulled back off of my eyes and the scales fell off, I looked and I saw an idol. I'm presenting to you from my vantage point and from the scriptures we've gone through, that the festivals of men, and specifically Christmas, and the traditions therein are actually something that has been under the covers of Christianity for far too long. And I'm trying to peel back the covers via the scriptures and the word of Yahweh Elohim to say, you've been fooled. It's not been David all along. To be absolutely clear, it's not been about pleasing Father Yahweh God all along. Jesus doesn't need a birthday party. Jesus doesn't need a manger scene and gifts. He doesn't need a tree. All these things that we could list and have talked about in some measure are all an idol that has been masquerading as the real, is my proposal to you. But now, with the covers drawn back, it's been exposed. I would believe it's been easily identified. So, I want to pull back the covers of this in our spiritual man thinking. Now, it's up to you whether or not you pull the covers back over Christmas and tuck it in real tight, comfortably in the bed of your heart. That's up to you. But there's no way around it. There's no way to justify it any longer if you've, if you've listened to this entire series. There's no way to say that the feasts of the Lord aren't for me, they're for the Jews, eradicated. Therefore, this person, eradicated. All these things we, we've, we've easily picked apart. So as I clearly stated earlier, there is a cost. We must not be found only placing on the altar something that costs us nothing. A sacrifice must contain something of great value. And friend, dare I say, Christmas is going to be of great value great value to you and a great pain if you choose to leave those covers off of it and expose it for what it is and look at it and walk the other way but would you be willing to even consider laying down all the traditions of men all the beautiful memories and allow them to be what they are i shared that openly my memories of christmas seasons are beautiful wonderful and idolatrous. They can be both. They stir and evoke emotion in me, and they're idolatrous. That should not be an alarm for us. Again, if we go back to what we keep interweaving within all of this, which is the ways of darkness will be presented to us as light, and it will be enticing and beautiful to our eyes if we are not discerning men of the Spirit who are looking according to to the the vantage point of our Father and what He desires, what He wants, and what He says is holy, right, and good. 
<clears throat> would we be willing to lay down all the justifying of celebrating Christmas in order to dare to believe that Yahweh's eternal feasts and ways, His festivals, His plans that He has offered and extended to us through Yeshua Messiah are enough. And not just enough. I mean, that's the thing. Not just enough. But like, again, put them side by side and they are not even worthy of comparison. So what we do is up to us. What we do with this is up to us. Will we follow the traditions in comfy, cozy fondness and familiarity of Christmas and the festivals of men? Or will we lay them on the altar and say, even maybe for the first time, friend, just say, maybe this is true. Maybe this is true. Maybe it's true, and then you're going to have to go into your heart of hearts that only the Father knows. You're going to have to be true, and you're either going to have to say, I lay it down, I lay it down, to even dare to believe, to ask the question, and even try to move away from it and move into and towards His feasts. Because we have got to make an exchange. We cannot carry both. We cannot carry both. Let's go back to part one or two where where Yahweh and his presence, his holy presence in the Ark of the Covenant is carried and, and, and set down in the temple of Dagon. Friends, there will be no cohabitation here. There will be no cohabitation. There will be none. He is either seated and throned preeminent upon the throne of our heart or he is not. So, friend, choose well. Choose well. I'm telling you, as one who's walked and is walking this way in newness, I was a believer for years. I loved the Lord. I wanted to be holy. I wanted to be His His Acts 2 church. I wanted to be set apart and all these things, and I, and I was. But I could only get so far until I came to this, this beautiful reality of my identity and the invitation to come in through Yeshua to be part of the people of Yahweh Elohim. And how have we seen that we do that? Don't profane my Sabbaths. Remember them. Keep them. Celebrate them. Remember my ways. Consecrate them. Memorialize them. And these will be a sign between me and you, my children. Friend, that is for you. Choose well. Choose well. We want to please the Lord above every single other thing, even ourselves. So I pray that you can do that. As we wrap up this series, I hope it spoke to you. It continues to speak to me, and guess what? There's purging that will go on in this vessel until I breathe my last breath. I've got a million and one things that have got to be extracted from my life. This has been a part of it. I pray that you are on that journey as well. And if you've not got here, that maybe this will move you into that realization to cry out to Father and say, if there's any wicked, idolatrous, rebellious way in me, show me. Remove it. Not remove it. Ah, I give it to you. I don't want it. 
because I want your ways because your ways are right, holy, and good. You've been watching the Path Design Podcast. We are rediscovering the ancient way that's been hidden from us. Won't you come along with us and walk this ancient path as we find Yahweh's ways buried within His beautiful Word for us to dig out and find and then walk out abandoning the ways of the nations. I pray you're doing that. Thank you for watching. Be blessed in the name of Yeshua. Thanks for watching. Amen.